Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for this morning. I always so enjoy being with all of you as the Faith Radio family. I was standing in Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee last weekend, taking in the Andrew Peterson Behold the Lamb of God concert. And as I was there and we sang Hark the Herald, Angels Sing Together in that beautiful auditorium, I sat back and thought, wow, with the world being so disrupted by COVID and people trying to find their feet, don't know where they fit, they're trying to get back to some semblance of whatever they would perceived to be normal. Uh, As people were singing, I thought, you know what? Even COVID cannot disrupt the kingdom of God. It is so unshakable. And all of us standing in this auditorium right now singing Hark the Herald Angels Sing could have been singing that four years ago, 14 years ago, 40 years ago, because it remains true day in and day out. And being with you like this in the mornings as we start our day together is that constant reminder of the unshakability of God's kingdom, especially during this time of Christmas where we celebrate the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And as part of Christmas, of course, there's going to be a lot of movies. Some of our favorites come out year in and year out that we like to watch and and uh, and, and laugh and have some maybe entertaining times with a, with a spouse or a friend or family, whatever that looks like. And, and one of my favorite things is to agitate producer Paul Perot in studio oh, each year. And, and Paul, we've been friends for a number of years, and it seems yeah. to come up almost every year, this topic. And, and watching your blood pressure rise gives me no end of great joy when I confess, when I confess. Brace yourselves, folks. Because we're going to be talking with Adam Holtz in just a minute about the top 10 best family Christmas movies of all time. And I'm going to invite your participation, all of you in the Faith Radio family, as part of that. But I have to confess right now, Paul Perot, once again, 2021, same as 2017. I have never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I've yeah! never seen It's a Wonderful Life. I, this is just so much fun. I, you know, it, this, this, yeah, Paul, I'm sorry. How I'm sorry. Could I know. you not watch it? Well, I don't know. I actually don't have an answer. I could make up an answer, but it would be uh, less than honest. It, it would be, I guess, it, there's no such thing as less than honest. It's just dishonest. I, I don't, I don't have an answer for you as to why I've never seen this movie. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Most likely NBC is going to air it Christmas Eve night. Okay. They do almost every year. Okay. It's also, I believe, on Plex for free. Great. Which is one of those free apps of, sure. you know, some of the movies. It's on, I, I, I saw it on there the other day. I haven't watched it yet. Plan okay. to. But uh, what's the deal? Well, I think this year, Paul, actually, is a demonstration of your other-centered Christ-likeness. Why don't you bring over some, some chestnuts and some Christmas pudding and, uh, in front of an open fire on Christmas Eve when the sun, just to remind me, because I will forget that it's on. And, and why don't you just, like, take away all of the angst of Christmas Eve meal by just providing all, just say, Kapsner, just go sit on the sofa and watch, watch It's a Wonderful Life. I can think of no better expression of your Christ-likeness than this this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you... Two good options, man. Two good <laughs> options. I love it. I've done it in the past, too. Oh, that's great. Well, we are going to be joined in just a minute by Adam Holtz, and I do want to invite your participation uh, as part of our Faith Radio audience this morning. If you can text in your favorite Christmas movie of all time, we're going to be chatting about that with Adam Holtz. The number is 877 933 
2484. Again, text the number 877-933-2484. And I don't want to even just hear only about the Christmas movie that's your favorite. Give me some rationale and criteria because if I'm not going to watch It's a Wonderful Life this year, I want to know what I should be watching. Instead, stay with us in just a minute. Adam Holtz will join the conversation. It's about nine minutes after the top of the hour, and welcome back to the show. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for Carmen LeBurge, and already the text line is lighting up. Adam Holtz, I'm taking a bit of a beating for not having seen It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, Paul is... Thank uh, you, Luke. Thank you, Lori. Yes. They are all texting in. Paul remains scandalized. And Adam, Jack. help me out here. Help me out, Adam. Am I, am, am I at risk somehow from not having seen It's a Wonderful Life? Well, I wouldn't know because I haven't seen it either. Yeah! Well, this is PluggedIn.com, really? the, the the movie expert in our country. And he had Paul Perot, all you listeners that, that are hammered, understandably so, bringing in the text right now. Adam, uh-huh. you have not seen it. So, but you, you have a qualifier in that. You've at least seen well, some of the scenes from what I understand. So, yeah, I mean, the qualifier is, yeah, I've seen chunks of it. I have not seen it end to end in one sitting. Um, I would also add, I mean, if you want to, like, get your stones out, although that's a terrible thing to say, um, I think the same thing is true for Wizard of Oz and Sound of Music. Um, oh, like, what? I'm oh, sure, whoa, I'm whoa, sure whoa, that whoa, I have whoa. seen... I've seen both of them in their entirety. Okay. But I don't know that I have seen either one of them end to end in one sitting. We could throw Frozen in there, too. I've seen Frozen hundreds of times, (laughs) but never in one sitting. I think you threw that in there just to tell me to let it go, didn't you? Right. (laughs) 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 I better jump in here before this goes too too much further. Adam, we're going to talk some about those uh, 10 Christmas movies, people's favorites. We got a lot of text coming in, a lot of people are definitely saying it's a wonderful life uh, is worth watching we have uh, christmas with the cranks on somebody's list uh, as a oh. more obscure one but but really enjoys that before we get into more of these christmas movies there are some new movies that have come out west side story diary of a wimpy kid for people that may have a little time off over christmas and may decide to go to the theater uh, are there any recommendations you have about either of these two movies well, West Side Story is relatively true to the original. I found out in the process of uh, working with Paul A.C., who wrote our review, we both saw the movie, um, that Steven Spielberg, growing up, was in a fairly conservative house, and the West Side Story soundtrack was the first popular music that his parents allowed in the house. And so he had this very deep uh, love affair with the West Side Story soundtrack, and so when you think of people to remake West Side Story, Steven Spielberg probably doesn't show up at the top of your list, but <clears throat> that's the connection. Uh, this is the story of two warring gangs in New York City in the 1950s, the Jets and the Sharks. Uh, it is um, loosely based slash inspired by Romeo and Juliet. So right there, we know things probably aren't going to end well, and they don't. Uh, spoiler warning. Um, but it's the story of Maria, who is a Puerto Rican immigrant, and Tony, uh, who is uh, with – he's a former sort of gangbanger who's trying to you know, get on the straight and narrow. They fall in love. Suffice it to say, things go awry. Okay? I mean this is uh, – right. yeah, it's Romeo, it's Romeo and Juliet. People die. There's stabbings. Uh, there's a little bit more language here. 
Uh, there's a beloved tomboy character from the original who gets presented a little bit as a transgender character this time around. That would probably be the most um, contemporary thing that gets imported back into the story. It's pretty subtle. It's not in your face. You could easily miss it, I think. Um, but uh, if you like West Side Story, man, it's a beautiful movie. Spielberg's knocked it out of the park. Mm. But it's it's not without some content concerns. Okay, that's super helpful. Diary, a diary of a wimpy kid or of wimpy kids. Uh, tell us about this one. So this is obviously an incredibly popular book series. It's been made into some live action movies, which are mm, flat out terrible. Just don't watch them. Uh, they're awful movies, and there's a ton of content that feels inappropriate for kids. This is a kinder, gentler, more true to the uh, to the books kind of story. It's animated. It's on Disney Plus, and it's a story of two middle schoolers named Jeff and Raleigh. Excuse me, Greg and Raleigh. Jeff is the author of the books, uh, and they are uh, trying to cope with middle school. So some nice things to say about friendship, uh, about telling the truth, and of course there is still a little bit of bathroom humor here. But nothing like you'll see in the live action movies. Again, that one's streaming on Disney Plus. Love it. We're chatting with Adam Holtz as we do on Fridays about things within media and then getting some helpful advice about what to take in, maybe what not to take in. You can go to pluggedin.com and check out Adam's work. Adam, the text line is coming in fast and furious. And if you've been uh, listening this morning as we've gotten started, you can text in at 877 933 2484, your favorite Christmas movie of all time. And Adam, some of them coming in right now include uh, a shout out to the Peanuts Christmas special. And that oh, is one yeah. of my favorite. When Linus stands up with that blanket and gives us a bit uh, of, of yeah. the nativity scene, oh, it, it, it drives me to tears. No, that's that's one of the best ones. And actually, the Peanuts specials at every holiday, I think, you know, belong on those holiday lists. So definitely one of my favorites. And yes, I have seen it. I love it. Well, let, keep texting in your favorite Christmas shows, movies at 877-933-2484 with your comments about why we should or should not watch them. We'll step away for just a minute. When we come back, we'll be joined again by Adam. We'll change the topic over to uh, Christmas with the Chosen, the messengers debuting at number one in the box office. And we'll get more of his insight on that next year on Mornings Without Carmen. <laughs> I love that. That's a great intro back into our conversation on some of the best Christmas movies of all time that we're having with Adam Holtz from PluggedIn.com. And Paul Perot, we've invited the listeners, and the listeners have come through, as they always do, 877-933-2484, texting in this morning, favorite Christmas movies of all time. Why don't you give us a little rundown about what we're seeing here, some of the patterns, because there's so many. Well, okay, Home Alone, people talking about that, Elf. Somebody really going for how the Grinch stole Christmas, you know, learning that Christmas doesn't not come from a store. And I the Grinch's do like heart that one. Three I do like that one. And, yes, those are great. The question is, which Grinch? Well, that's fair. There are a number of them. Adam, uh, which Grinch? If we're talking about some of the different <clears throat> Grinch options that we have, which one is your favorite? So I am uh, again going to invite scorn and perhaps shame <laughs> and say, I love the most recent one, the one that came out just a couple of years ago. Um, with Benedict Cumberbatch? With Benedict Cumberbatch, who, of course, voiced everything in every movie that year. Yeah, it's Dr. <laughs> Seuss's The Grinch. He did. Uh, came out in 2018. Here's why I like it. I was a sensitive kid, and The Grinch always absolutely freaked me out. And I'm like the only one who's like, does anybody else think The Grinch looks like a demon, or is it just me? <laughs> And he kind of acts like one. And yes, I know it all ends up well in the end. But 
but the Grinch gave me the creeps. I like the new one because it's a little kinder, a little gentler, a little sweeter. And I'm also very cognizant of the fact that lots of people will think I'm crazy because kinder, gentler, and sweeter kind of isn't who the Grinch is. So it kind of misses the point. But uh, for my money, I, I really liked it. I thought it was a very, very sweet movie uh, and not quite as terrifying for the littles, perhaps. Yeah, it's very helpful. We got Oh, go ahead, Paul. I was going to add, I okay, I still prefer the original cartoon version with Boris Karloff, but you're right. There's a lot in that new one, especially. I love the fact there's the carolers. Okay, the carolers yeah. were trying to get at, uh, you know, trying to encourage the Grinch, and they're singing Classic, spiritual, sacred oh. Christmas carols. It was cool. Oh, it was cool. Agreed. It was, it was terrific. That is that is an added bonus here uh, that I think, um, yeah, it elevates it. It elevates it. Yep. I love it. Adam, you've got a great Christmas list at PluggedIn.com of the top 10. So we've, re- we've referenced some of them. Why don't you take us through the list? Maybe give us some highlights uh, of a few of the different ones. Yeah, this is a, a blog that Paul AC wrote for us this week in case you're like, wait a minute, you've already admitted you didn't see that movie. So uh, I need to throw that disclaimer in. Thankfully, Paul's the, seen everything. He has, and it's it's actually super annoying, but that's another conversation for another time. Um, we'll start with The Bishop's Wife in 1947, uh, which was remade, of course, as The Preacher's Wife with Denzel Washington a few years ago. Uh, there's 100 million versions of The Christmas Carol. I've seen several of them. But the 1951 version is considered the classic, the go-to. Shocker, I have not seen that one. But when we get to The Muppets Christmas Carol, I can give a shout-out to that one. Love that Uh, one. Dr. Seuss's The Grinch, Elf. So I'll say this about Elf. There's a little bit of profanity, and there there are a couple scenes that are, are mildly inappropriate. I will also say it might be my family's favorite Christmas movie. So, again, judge away. Uh, it's a wonderful life. We've talked about that. Yes. Uh, J- Jingle Jangle, a Christmas journey came out last year. Uh, this is a story starring Forrest Whitaker as an old broken down cynical inventor whose, um, passion for life and believing in goodness is reinvigorated by his granddaughter. It is a wonderful, wonderful movie. I think it has the right stuff to stand the test of time. Uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas from 2017 tells the backstory of Charles Dickens. Uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Paul, I'll have to let you speak to that one's excellence. Uh, Muppet (laughs) Christmas Carol. There we go. Muppets and a Christmas Carol. If I can just stop you on that one quickly, Adam, on the Muppets one. That's one of my favorites. We we actually have a tradition in our family where the kids have to stay upstairs until Hallie and I are done with the tree and the presents and setting up the advent tables and all of that. And then they know their cue to come downstairs when the Muppets Christmas Carol soundtrack starts playing. It's it's the 12 days of Christmas through the lens of the Muppets is fabulous. Love it. Uh, The Nativity Story from 2006, which was really the first of this sort of new crop of pretty realistic uh, Bible-themed movies. Uh, And let me say with that, Christmas with the Chosen is still in theaters as a Fathom event, and it has done so well Mm. that they have extended it through next Thursday, the 16th. So originally it was only supposed to run through, I think, the 10th or the 11th, but if you haven't seen it yet, uh, you can go to fathomevents.com and perhaps still get tickets there. I love it. No, it's such a good rundown. And I saw one come through here, too, as the text continued to come in Fast and Furious and favorite Christmas movies. There was a shout out for Annie as a as a Christmas oh, movie yeah. full of hope. And, uh, you know, that was a pretty good a uh, little bit off the beaten trail. But that's a great yeah. movie message of hope and, and help for people. Well, and we could have an entire conversation about 
Christmas movies that aren't really Christmas movies. You know, some people want to say that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. No, I'm like, no, Die Hard is a movie about Bruce Willis shooting people that takes place at Christmas. Yes, totally different. <laughs> is, totally different. Totally different indeed. Well, there's a number of movies we could uh, give a shout out to. Uh, you did send me a headline on a, on a different note that was pretty funny, a little bit comical coming from the Babylon Bee, which can have some really <laughs> funny satirical. And, and they apparently, Adam, with, with the success of The Chosen, a new season coming out, that publishers around the world are having to put warning stickers on Bibles because they don't want to have people know how it ends. I, I have kind of chuckled to myself how engaged and immersed I am with, with this series, The Chosen. I think it's so well done. And oh, I know man, how the story so ends, right? But I still get sucked in. I'm like, what's going to happen? Well, I know what's going to happen, but somehow I'm still getting sucked in. Well, and I think you get sucked in because it invites you to see a familiar story from a perspective that maybe is new and fresh that you haven't had before. And uh, obviously it's a dramatization. It's an imaginary, It's an imagined take on what these characters would have been like. But it's theologically very true to Scripture. It doesn't wander, you know, in directions that are really bad. Um, and it, you know, in the the chosen the Christmas special, they have an episode called the Messenger, for example. Now we all know that Jesus was born in a manger, that it was dirty. But we watch as Joseph scoops up manure to make space for Jesus to be born, and I'm like, mm. wow, that I've never thought about it quite like that. And I think that's what. Dallas Jenkins has done so well with the show is to to give us these gritty, realistic, you know, cinema verite almost uh, glimpses of what these interactions and these biblical stories that we know so well what it might have really been like. No, oh, I love it. It's good stuff. Uh, Paul, we have a number of other texts. Maybe we should read through again. Favorite stories. Adam, any of these that uh, jump out to you as Paul goes through some of these? Okay, somebody said Muppets, uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Indeed. Somebody talked about all the uh, Hallmark Movies. Yeah, what do you think about the Hallmark movies? Well, there are a number of them, Adam. Well, oh boy, are there? <laughs> uh, yeah, we watch them constantly. Uh, and I mean, the good news is, is you only have to watch one because they're all exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how, how cynical of you, Adam. I don't know what you're talking about. Do, no, is there maybe one writer for all of the Hallmark Channel? Is that what you're suggesting? <laughs> no, it's like, you know, they have these Marvel alternate universe stories where you get... <laughs> <laughs> three different Spider-Mans. Hallmark is the same thing. It's 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 basically Candace Cameron Bure or who's the other one? Lacey Chabert. I like saying her name because it's Frenchy. Uh, they they redo the same movie like three hundred times, um, and they're all wonderful. I mean, right? These are fun <laughs> stories, but they're they're all so formulaic, and you can almost make a game out of it to to you know. I'll, I'll come in with five minutes left. I'm like, have they had their kiss yet? Because they kiss at the end in the last two minutes of every single one. Everything builds every time. I don't know that there's a single exception to this rule. So somebody feel free to prove me wrong here, but that's what happens. I love it. And, Adam, you know, uh, I was just going to say we've got a number uh, of texts coming in. I think uh, one of the two of us at the very least uh, okay, just, I have been deeply encouraged by It's a Wonderful Life that yes. we should watch it. So, Adam, I don't know if maybe off air a little later today we can get a little FaceTime rock, paper, scissors going and see which one of the two of us <laughs> has to watch it later today. I don't know if you're are you game for that, Adam. We'll see. No, I'm going to vote you. Okay, <laughs> okay so that, wor that works because the other person, I'm sure you guys have never, you both have not seen it, White Christmas, which was mentioned a few times. Yeah, that is absolutely. Oh, have you yeah, seen that one, Adam? Uh, I have not seen that one either. No, I think it's about snow. 
Uh, <laughs> I think that's probably yeah, fair. Yeah. Well, we we appreciate the fun, the laughter, the humor, the insight. Again, uh, Adam is part of PluggedIn.com. It is my family go-to resource when we need some help to know what to watch and what not to watch. And Adam, maybe we shredded all of our future credibility this morning, but it was sure great to talk well, to you. <laughs> I mean, we've got a week to make it up, yeah, we- so I'll see what... I'll see what I can do. We do indeed. Have a great Christmas if I don't chat with you before, Adam. And uh, thanks again for all the work you do. You bet, guys. Thanks. We'll take a short break for some Breakpoint and bottom of the hour news. When we come back in the last half of hour two here of Mornings Without Carmen, we're going to be joined by author Lisa Sampson, who brought out her second book in a series, Telling the Tale of Christmas, this time through the eyes of a donkey. Wow, I sure love Carmen Nation. I, uh, the texts have come in fast and furious about so many different Christmas movies. Paul, do we have any uh, further updates about ones that were kind of intriguing, maybe a little off the beaten trail? Uh, a lot of the ones we already mentioned. Somebody did bring up Holiday Inn, which was, okay, that is the movie where White Christmas originally came from, from right. 1942, right. Bing Crosby along with Fred Astaire. Um, I've not seen it all the way through. I do know that there is some stuff that might be considered by modern standards, racially insensitive. So sure, of course. keep that in mind. But otherwise, there's that. And then, of course, you just can't go wrong with uh, with Bing along with Danny Kaye doing White Christmas. That is just such a great movie. I love it. I think uh, I- I'm sure I'll, I'll be back in the chair sometime next Christmas. And so I don't want to go through this whole process again. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to try to set aside a day between now and the 25th of September. We're just going to, as a family, binge through a few of these. Because they do seem like legitimately heartwarming, good movies are. for this time of year. That's the thing. They're 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 great. And you... I've, I've just, missed just out. Watch I've, I've just, missed just, just watch White Christmas. And, and, and it's a wonderful life. It's I love simple. it. Well, we're going to stay within the Christmas theme here with our next guest, our final guest of the day, that being Lisa Sampson, who's an author, and she wrote book two in her series chronicling the Christmas story, this time through the eyes of a donkey. This is Max Lucado. You'll find nod holes and snapshots and I wonders in every chapter of the Bible about every person, but nothing stirs so many questions as does the birth of Jesus Christ. Characters appear and disappear before we can ask them anything. I've got some questions. I've got questions for Joseph. Did you and Jesus arm wrestle? Did he ever let you win? Did you ever look up from your prayers and see Jesus listening? Whatever happened to the wise men? And whatever happened to you? You know, we don't know. We don't know what happened to Joseph. With the exception of a short scene with 12-year-old Jesus in Jerusalem, he never reappears. The rest of his life is left to speculation, and we are left with our questions. But of all my questions, my first would be about Bethlehem. What was Joseph thinking while Jesus was being born? As I've been saying this morning, I have completely destroyed any credibility uh, through a number of different means. One of them being that I keep claiming everyone is my favorite Christmas carol. But now we're in a way in a manger, Paul. And that, again, is going to be one of my favorite <laughs> Christmas carols. And then uh, Lisa Sampson, author, joining us this morning. Lisa, help me out here. Do you have a favorite Christmas carol that when it comes on, it kind of just drives you to tears? All of them. Oh, see, thank you. Right. You just it's impossible <laughs> to pick. It's impossible to pick. Tell, yeah, a different angle of the story. Right? They, so, uh, yeah. 
Well, and and I understand you're an alto uh, in a choir. Paul and I can't find a note ever, much less sing one. But but you could probably actually sing along with some of these beautiful carols. Well, yes, and always to myself in the car with one of my children present, maybe, and maybe in a church choir, but nothing more than that. <laughs> I love it. Well, th- thanks for joining us again here on Mornings with Carmen. Again, if you're just checking in, it is Lisa Sampson, author. She's released a second book in a series. Uh, the first one is called Saint Is. This new one is called Saint As, and it is telling some of the Christmas story through the eyes of a donkey. Lisa, before we get into the new book that you just released, remind us a little bit about this first book that was released in late 2020 called Saint Is. What's the story about and and what was the motivation behind it? The motivation behind it is really to kind of use our imaginations to fill in the gaps. So what we read in the Bible are really the highlights of the sun come down and being obedient and submitting himself to the will of the Father. So we see the highlights of the life of Christ. But what we don't really see too much is the everyday life of Christ. And so these are sort of everyday happenings that must needs have occurred in that time period. And we've allowed ourselves to use our imagination. And I think everybody does, but we just had the audacity to put it down on the page. And um, I feel like St. Is was the precursor, and it ends with the birth of Christ. But you see what Mary must have gone through and her family and and how the hardship she would have had, had to endure. And Joseph, too, coming alongside her in this manner. So we see, see those two as they develop to bring the Son of God into the world. Um, And that's, you know, how that book concludes. It's all told through the eyes of a donkey who is actually Balaam's ass, and she's lived for 1,400 years, and so she's seen a lot of humanity. So she Mm -hmm. is the narrator. Um, So she doesn't have a whole lot of... um, uh, respect for humanity and the way we try to do it for ourselves. <laughs> She's mm. very much a truth teller. And she continues the tale, but we bring in a don- a camel who is one of the wise men's camel. And I feel like this book um, shed some light on the story of the Magi. Why was Jerusalem troubled? Uh, that always was a question to me. And I realized when doing research, they were under siege about 50 years before by the Parthians, and the Magi might have been Parthians, which is why they would travel with an entourage, and and just suddenly 200 or so people of the people that had put you under siege are in Jerusalem, and of course they're troubled. And so we have seen Jesus now is about uh, the age of a toddler, and he's precocious, but he's not too precocious. He is growing in wisdom and stature, but you see this great love that comes inside of him, and and that shines forth. And so we bring in the, uh, the slaughter of the innocents and the escape to Egypt. And just the way these people believe when God speaks to them. And that is a real highlight. It was a good time for it. It was a good time for it. It's, it, when you're talking about <clears throat> just the day-to-day life of what was going on there, but we really do, Lisa, get a very limited set of details about the story itself. The, these gospel writers were not writing for the lens of history or for biography, per se. They were writing as they edited the story for theological purposes. So it is left to us to fill in some of the gaps. But 
I, I would suggest that those gaps, when, when historically rooted, are really helpful for understanding the story because those first century readers of the story, they didn't have to have the gaps filled in for them. They were living in that realm, and so the writers didn't have to necessarily talk about those things. What were some of those gaps about sort of the humanity of Jesus, the life of Jesus within this story that were really intriguing to you to bring it to life? Well, um, the first story was more from Mary's perspective. This was more from Joseph's perspective. And so we see Jesus actually, the things that he taught, we see Joseph bringing them in. Because Joseph was a just man, and he was a keeper of the oral law. This means that he really knew the law. And he didn't just know the written law. He knew what was passed down orally, which was a different tradition. It all worked together. But he was quite an accomplished man as far as the religion of that day was concerned. So you see him passing these little things on to his son. You see Jesus like trying to command things and, and, and Joseph coming in and saying, be gentle, ask, ask, and you will receive. And so that was the part I loved about this, this tender, already teaching relationship that Joseph had with his son and that he was picked to have and was, you know, he, he grew up to have that knowledge so that he could pass that wisdom on to Jesus. And then, of course, we know it became fulfilled in the Holy Spirit and Jesus came through as the Christ in full knowledge of who he was. Hmm. Chatting with Lisa Sampson, author of a now a two-book series that gets into the life of Jesus and the story of his birth through the lens of some of the, the animals that would have been present in that time. And Lisa, we're going to step away for just a minute. When we come back, I want to get your take a little bit more in depth about why Jerusalem was troubled, what uh, that little phrase meant, and, and maybe how to understand the anxiety in the city and the circumstances in which Jesus was born. So checking in this morning, you're going to want to get these copies of these books. One is called Saint Is, the first book in the series. The next one is St. As, and more to come with Lisa Sampson next on Mornings Without Carmen. Where in the world do you come up with this stuff, Paul Perot? Where, where, how do you possibly find that, that oh, kind of intro? Oh, just years and years of playing... <laughs> funny stuff. That's called the Carol of the Friars, a manger miracle. I love it. Lisa Sampson, have you ever even heard of such a thing? No, but I'm really sad that I have it until now, but I'm glad I did. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we're chatting with Lisa Sampson, author this morning. You know, she is the author of a two-book series, Saint Is and Saint As, telling the story of Jesus through the lens of some of the animals of that time. Lisa, what, what would you suggest in terms of readability in an age in which somebody could pick up one of these books? Well, I would say an eight-year-old could read it, probably 12 on their own, but it is such a great story to read out loud. You could do that through the season. You know, it's about 100, 100 pages, and uh, yeah, it, it's something that I think the whole family would really, truly um, enjoy. Yeah, I think that's what's intriguing about the series, right? It's, it, it's like what a good children's book can be is that when adults read it, they also are going to take away a lot from the story because you have embedded some of the details of the social situation into that that I think can be intriguing even for the person most familiar with the scriptures. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and one of those things that I teased before the break was why Jerusalem was troubled. Again, all we really get is a statement that Jerusalem was troubled or that there was some, some unrest and angst in the city. As you did your research around the story to tell it through the lens uh, of these different animals, um, tell us about what you found. 
Well, I found that Jerusalem had been under siege by the Parthians, and the Parthians were a very, they were very, very skilled warriors. So you did not want to have the Parthians surrounding your city. So only that long before, of course, there were people that remembered it, and there were people that passed that knowledge down of their remembrance just to the very generation that was living there. So this was fresh. I mean, this would be like something happening, what, in 1970. Mm. For us, that's not that long. And so uh, these, uh, the Magi were, they were stargazers, but they were also of a priestly caste. And so, you know, God was obviously speaking to them. And I think it's interesting that he used people that were not of the children of Israel to come to the land. And, and we know that Jesus was a light unto the Gentiles. Like, that was prophesied. And there's one part where um, Izzy the donkey says, I don't think that's going to go over really big. <laughs> <laughs> and so we see these foreigners coming in en masse, and their appearance could be fear. You know, you could take that as fear, and the people were afraid, but they came to acknowledge the presence of the light, and they came to worship God. And so what appears to be something or other is definitely not always what God is doing. And I think that is such a good reminder to us that we must be open to who God brings to tell us. And even if they bring and come with fear from the past, we can trust God that perhaps they are messengers to us to show us the way of worship and to show us where the light has come. I think it's so interesting, Lisa. And, and I know scholars have puzzled over how it was that the wise men would have possibly understood the signs and the stars, as as you just said, non-Jewish people, as Gentile people, for whom God has always demonstrated that they were in his heart to care for as this redemptive activity moved out into the world. And, and some of the interesting speculation, again, I don't think we can teach this dogmatically, is that when, when the prophet Daniel uh, was, when he was elevated as the chief magi in the courts of Babylon, that he taught the, the Babylonian court and some of the people that the, the wise men that would descend from that court, some of these signs to look for the, for the promised Messiah. And, and even if that is not the explanation for how they knew about it, it is a really captivating idea that when this star appeared, it was, it was for everybody. The, the, the newborn king was coming for the world. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we like to hunker into our groups. And that was not who Jesus was, is, or will be, right? Mm. And so uh, we must keep our heart open to worship God as God appears to us and say yes. And this is what the, these, these wise men did, you know? And I think that's very interesting that that could have come through uh, Daniel. But we also know the heavens declare the glory of God, and we mm. don't get to say how God does that to other people. You know, God is always communicating to his creation, and we just simply must allow for it, or we are going to box God in and be uh, not 
get, not get the blessings of seeing him work wherever he chooses, right? No, for sure. I, we're, we're actually studying the gospel of Luke as a Faith Radio family right now together. And, and Paul, I think if listeners want to get involved with the study, it's still available. We're about halfway, not, not quite halfway through Luke, but where can people go if they want to study yeah. the gospel of Luke? They can, well, <laughs> their Bible, obviously, but well, otherwise we, sure. have, <laughs> we have the stuff up on our website at MyFaithRadio.com, including some daily podcasts that uh, include conversations around each of the chapters as we ask you to read a chapter a day. Yeah, and Lisa, why I bring that up is Luke is specifically written to the Gentile community. It is obviously geared towards a man named Theophilus, who is a Gentile Roman, uh, maybe general centurion, and and it's the first volume of his two-book volume, which then extends into the book of Acts, which takes God's care into the Gentile world. So we see uh, this this world outside. It's happening within Jerusalem and Bethlehem and Nazareth and in these key critical places. But we see all of this evidence of people outside of Israel, even when Joseph and Mary have to flee to Egypt. It's you referenced that earlier. What an interesting thing to have to do because they how many ever generations ago. They were called out of Egypt and slavery, and now Joseph and Mary are finding refuge in Egypt. What did you find when you were doing that research? Well, you know, there's a lot of different tradition going on as far as that goes. Um, so I really just had to pick. And, and there was a uh, really big um, Jewish community in Alexandria at the time. So I had the Lighthouse of Alexandria on the cover, and that is, that's where I chose for them to go because it just seemed like there would be a, a, a ready place for Joseph to find work and for them to find support and community. But some, they, you know, they're traveling all over the wilderness, and, and there is a legend of Jesus putting his hand on the rock when the Holy Family needed water, and it, he just put, laid his hand on it, and water sprung forth, which is, of course, the opposite of Moses' like. Bam, right? right? So it's sort right. of like he was taking Moses and and kind of going backwards back in. And then, of course, he was, you know, called forth again into the mm. land of Israel. Lisa, I love the research you're doing and then bring it to life in, in these, these children's, but even adult books as well. I, I have to believe you have more in mind than these two. Are you, are you starting to work on a third oh, yeah. one at this point? Tell us about where you're yeah. headed with this whole thing. Yeah. I think we're headed to uh, when Jesus went to Jerusalem as a 12-year-old. Hmm. That is yeah. really interesting. Do you have a, a sort of an arc? Because sometimes authors like yourself will have two, three, four, five books in mind, or are you just letting it play out as the story develops? You know, we had three in mind. Now we have four. So I think <laughs> we're just going to go for it and see where where it takes us. Again, we're chatting with author Lisa Sampson this morning. She has two books as part of what appears like it might be a four book or beyond a series. The first one, Saint Is. The second one, Saint As. Lisa, as our Faith Radio family is listening this morning, are there suggested places they can go to pick up these books? Because I can't recommend them highly enough. Yeah, uh, we are doing it all online. So okay. Amazon, uh, you can look it up under my name is the easiest way to find it. And that's Lisa, L-I-S-A, Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N, no P. And uh, it'll pull it right out. We also have it in ebook format as well. I love it. Thanks for taking the time this Lisa, uh, this morning, Lisa, and uh, just for what you're doing with some of these stories. Uh, before we run, though, we've had an ongoing, uh, a bit of a soap opera this morning about favorite Christmas movies of all time, some of the scandal that I've never seen. It's a Wonderful Life. Lisa, do you have a favorite Christmas movie that you'd suggest for all of us? I'm so boring. White Christmas. White Christmas. Down. Yeah, that one has <laughs> definitely been suggested. <laughs> Lisa, thanks for taking the time this morning. Really appreciate it. Thank I hope you, you do dear. have a great and Merry Christmas. Thank you. Same to you.
We'll take a short break and wrap up our show here on the 10th of December on Mornings Without Carmen. So glad that you've joined us. I'm Dr. Peter Kapsner filling in for today. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Well, sure appreciate being with all of you this morning as part of Carmen Nation on Mornings with Carmen. I think one of the great hallmarks of people of faith who are growing in Christian maturity is is their ability to laugh with freedom and ease. And just the last hours, we've talked about so many things related to Christmas, some of our traditions in which we watch different kinds of movies and the themes within them, wondering about them, and also then telling the story uh, of the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us when that beautiful star appeared in the east and they began to follow it to Bethlehem for the birth of the newborn king. That is the fulcrum point of history when God decided to condescend and become flesh and and join us in this messy, broken, difficult earth because he knew that he was the one who could descend into those waters of sin and death and come out the other side, thus creating a resurrection people. And that is who we are. We live by a different kind of power in a shook world. We are the unshakable people. So join us again on Monday on Mornings with Carmen. I'll be filling in as well. Peter Kapsner here in the chair and have a great weekend, everybody. We'll catch you in a few. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.